0: Hi, I'm John Hartness, also known as Fandingo the Fantastical from Authors and Dragons, and you're listening to Short Box Showcase. Hi, I'm Professor Allen.
1: And I'm Em, and you're listening to the Short Box Showcase.
0: Episode 64, Feedback and the Small Press Comic Con. In this one, I'm going to be talking about my recent visit to the Small Press and Alternative Comics Expo otherwise known as space which sometimes i may have referred to as independent yes. comic expo or it is not spice, spice. Con. it's not spicecon
1: it's spacecon <laughs> so you went there a couple of years ago and we did an episode about some of the local artists there and their work and web comics and other independent comics and art efforts so that would have been episode 43, 43.
0: But this time, I upped my game by talking to people.
1: Which I know. This is a stretch.
0: (laughs) So I did interviews. So in addition to those, I'm also going to be talking about some of the stuff I, are you sitting down? Yes. Bought there.
1: Oh, snap. (laughs) Didn't know they sold independent comics for less than a quarter.
0: Hey, hey, don't judge me. But first, a little feedback. Reigning Listener of the Year Nathaniel Wayne wrote in on our Gallifrey One coverage.
1: That does it. I'm going next year. Hell or high water. Whatever it takes. I've got the day the tickets go on sale set in my calendar.
0: Uh, Update. He has purchased his tickets.
1: Excellent. He says I will not be deprived of such concentrated hoobian awesomeness for yet another year. I am Council of Geeks. And it's the densest population of who fans in the universe. Look me up. As read in David Tennant's threatening voice from Force of the Dead. You better have gotten that reference. <laughs> giggly yours, Nathaniel Wayne.
0: We should probably break the news to him though. Two things. <laughs> he will be deprived of
1: it is us. Us. Yeah. Our summer and fall into and next winter. year next year is we are booked and there's a lot happening, and unfortunately, meeting everybody up for Gallifrey 2020 will not be happening. No.
0: The problem is, we like so many little things and so many variety of things. We tend to not be able to do one thing year after year after year. So, should we mention No Heroes Con this year? Though I will throw out the possibility, no promises, of me at Raleigh SuperCon.
1: And me. Tentatively,
0: I think that might be the same week in the Yuva work thing.
1: Ah, dang!
0: We'll, we'll 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 have to construct the details, but just that's that is potentially my and or our thing this coming summer.
1: Nathaniel also wrote in on our last episode, lovely Middletons.
2: Hmm.
1: I've realized I've gotten less consistent about feedbacking on podcasts in general in the last few months because I got out of the habit of responding immediately after listening. So, I went and pulled a shag. Ooh.
0: Ooh, oh, I'm is, so, that, I'm so, I'm is terribly, that legal
1: up in, I, yeah, in, in, in Vermont, Vermont? In Vermont, I know. that might...
0: I mean, obviously, Florida, anything's legal.
1: Right, right.
0: Hmm. Well, tread, would, tread carefully. Yeah, what would Ben and Jerry say about that? That's all I'm asking.
1: He continues, I'm working off my memory <laughs> and a handful of out-of-context notes. So, Boom. let me... <laughs> Let me just say, this is the last time I will take my cues from him. <laughs> anyway, I'm pretty sure this will run long, so here we go. With regards to the Arrowverse, the only show I've kept up on, or at least intend to keep up on since my partner, Listen, I binge through the latest season over the summer when it hits Netflix, is Legends of Tomorrow.
0: Fun show.
1: I bailed on Flash after two seasons once I realized season three was yet another evil speedster and that Barry was the character I liked the least.
0: Now, the reason I've stuck with Flash as long as I have, because it's the one your mom likes. Yep. So the two of us, we can have a little husband and wife TV daytime. So that is why I'm with Flash, despite its... Moments. Guess what this season is? Another evil speedster. Anyway.
1: Uh, well. (laughs) Arrow, I've never seen outside of the crossovers, and I like Ollie even less than Barry. Good news, Nathaniel. He is easily the most likable... those crossovers so (laughs) you are not missing anything
0: (laughs) he lightens up just a little bit on the crossover so yes
1: uh supergirl i floundered early in season three and haven't felt much motivation to come back black lightning i did mean to get back to but time went to other things that one i might return to we'll see i'd recommend it but legends is always on the docket because it is just so much fun Sarah is easily one of my favorite instances of bisexual characterization in mainstream media. John was a brilliant addition. Ray is a great dorky genius. Martin and Jax had terrific chemistry while they lasted. Rip, Amaya, Zari, they are all so much fun. Okay, Nathan is a bit of a tool, but he's a well-meaning one. And Mick is just the best. (laughs) Like, on every level, Mick owns my heart. A giant gruff man who, in the midst of his teammates screaming because missiles are about to hit their ship, yells, shut up, all of you, I'm on the last page. Because he just wants to finish his book before they all die. That is always going to be my favorite.
0: I will point out that this season on Legends, they have added Nathan's father, Hank, played by Tom Wilson, a.k.a. Biff Tannen.
1: Amazing! (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic.
0: It's pretty fantastic
1: as for marvel netflix nearly everything released after jessica jones season one just made me realize that to my taste at least the early successes were flukes daredevil season two was a disjointed mess with a boring electra luke cage was a great character stuck in a meandering narrative that didn't know how to use its better components worth a darn iron fist just hurt so much yes oh, man. yes it did let me just yes me, it did. nathaniel probably stella we need to Oof. start like a The Danny Rand, like, disrespect pain club or something. Like, oh. That's
0: rough. I I wanted
1: it to be good so bad, and I knew it wouldn't, and I still put my heart out there. (laughs) Defenders just completely fell apart by the end. Punisher had an interesting angle, but left me bored, and was the only one I couldn't even finish a season of. Daredevil Season 3 seems to have been the only uptick in quality for years now, and even that had some flabby elements. I'm not really mourning the end of these, and I'm kind of dreading a third season of Jessica Jones. That first season was so good, and the second was so (laughs) half-baked. If Disney Plus wanted to pick up options for the actors to keep them around, I'd be on board with that. But I don't want the actual shows continued, not in the vein, or rather rut, that they fell into.
0: I'm working my way through getting caught up with the Netflix shows. I think I talked about that uh, before. I did just finish up Daredevil Season 3, which I thought was excellent and You need to watch it because we need to dorkness the heck out of that season.
1: It's going to happen. (laughs) It's going to happen at some point.
0: (laughs) But now I am rotating in some other non-Marvel shows into my Netflixing, such as Umbrella Academy, The Ultraman... Anime, which oh, I know isn't so great, but it's, so, it's Ultraman. I'm going to watch it.
1: I really like a lot of Netflix anime. That is not one of them. That is <laughs> it is it is no Castlevania, my friend. I've heard good
0: things about the three movie series of Godzilla, animes that they've done as well. So there are plenty of things on my list. Little Marie Kondo here and there. So I'm work. I'm sort of balancing out the Netflix marvels with other things.
1: Speaking of Umbrella Academy, ah. I found I quite enjoyed this. Klaus, Five, and Hazel were my favorites. I was slightly disappointed in the direction that Vanya's story went, but not enough to bail. Yeah. I've heard a lot about this. Mm. I've heard mixed sort of responses, either that it was not fulfilling or was very fulfilling and mm-hmm. super painful. Yeah, so I get that. Uh, at some point I am going to experience that and figure that out for myself, but I've heard that it's... It is tragic in an unpleasant way. (laughs) So we will, let me just say, you and I will probably eat it up with a spoon. Nathaniel says, more interestingly, it confirmed a suspicion I'd long held about these more messed up takes on superheroes. I'm way more amenable to this kind of dark, having superpowers sucks take on things when it's done with original characters. Mm. If this had been a revision of the X-Men, I probably would have hated it. So to any comics writers out there aching to tell twisted superhero stories, please don't sully the characters we already have in order to do it. Glares judgingly at Identity Crisis. Shots fired.
0: (laughs) Or, if this were written in the last few days as of this recording, glares judgingly at Heroes in Crisis.
1: And on to Titans. Now this might seem at odds with what I just wrote, but I really like Titans. Okay, yes, yes. Hear me out. As much as, on the surface, it's another stupid edgelord take on heroes, this one felt justified. The darker elements were spawned from that pessimism that so many attain in our teenage years when we realize Mm. the world is far crueler than we've been led to believe. These are the years where things make the least sense and we become darkly introspective. So having a version of the Titans where Dick is still trying to come out on the other side of that... Gar is trying to not give in to it, and it primarily revolves around Raven, who has the most justified reasons to be mopey. <laughs> Makes it feel like the dark tone spawned out of its story, rather than being slapped on top like an Instagram filter. Plus, again to my surprise, I love this take on Trigon. The darkness he spreads is metaphorical, all about manipulating things so that people choose to give in to the darkness of their own accord, and in a far less clumsy way than I've seen this idea done before. There's a full review of the season on the Council Geeks YouTube channel, You thought I forgot to get a plug in there, didn't you? (laughs) Oh, Nathaniel.
0: That's our Nathaniel. We
1: have faith in you. Speaking of Venom, wait, did Em just call Venom excellent? Better than it looked, I'll give you that. Possibly better than it had a right to be. Deserving of a sequel to refine it? Sure. But excellent? With that astonishingly awful villain (laughs) and the most obvious plot you could give to this character? Look, I'll admit to loving Venom and Eddie's chemistry, best romance in the film, <laughs> but most of what's left after that is just basic. Between this and your love of Justice League, I want to pick your brain so hard. Okay, I will give... Woo,
0: were those shots that
1: were just fired? I will give this. Not a retraction, but like a refinement of so Context? It is excellent for what it is. And I don't mean mm. that as, this is just a B movie, so of course it was going to be schlocky garbage. I mean that what this movie was is a throwback to the types of movies we had in the early 2000s. The sort of superhero movies like Green Lantern, Spider-Man. Which, Green Lantern is not nearly as bad as people like to remember it being. Spider-Man 1 is not nearly as good as people like to remember Ooh. it being. I will shot, like fire shots on that <laughs> one for sure. I really don't like Spider-Man 1 with Tobey Maguire. I think it's pretty much total garbage. And I think that Venom is basically Spider-Man 1 but better. Oh. So that will be my opinions on that. If you wish to hit me up, I'm sure all of you have <laughs> my Facebook account information or you can email us in and we'll, we'll chat that privately.
0: Now Nathaniel wraps up with a paragraph aimed squarely at me. And finally, I'll read my last note verbatim. What is it with old guys preferring high school Peter? I'm asking pretty genuinely, because it's a pattern I've noticed with anybody from an older generation than myself. Way more love for the awkward sad sack unlucky nerd than for any other version. Is it just because that's the version I grew up with? Or am I missing something? Well, you young whippersnapper back in my day. day! It's not necessarily that I prefer that, just that I think over the almost 60 years we've had of Spider-Man, I just wish we had a little more high school.
1: And I think that for you really comes from a, a comics first perspective,
2: because mm-hmm. it's
1: weird. Like it, it genuinely is, because yep. a lot of people complain about the movies and the TV shows and the medium and stuff always being stuck in high school. Which is kind of ironic, considering how little <laughs> of the comics yeah. are set in high school. So I think that the push for people of, I will roughly say, your vintage, who are the people controlling most of these uh, decisions.
0: People with a certain amount of life experience, shall we say? Uh, life veterans? Uh,
1: um, dignified uh, countenances. <laughs> Uh, that that desire to have more media set in high school is almost a sort of reactionary kick yeah. against as you pointed out, there's not actually that much teenage yeah. Peter Parker in the comics. Which is but that's part what of why most people are familiar with from other media.
0: Part of why I love the cartoon. Oh more yes, recent...
1: the, the Defenders the, yes. cartoon, basically. Yes. God, that is such a with good show.
0: Vice principal.
1: Vice Principal Colson.
0: That one was pretty awesome.
1: God, there's nothing better than that.
0: (laughs) And we did hear from Carla again, who did confirm that she used to live in the Buckeye State. And also used to work in a library.
1: Like all the cool people
0: do. (laughs) That library job is also where she discovered Hoopla. Boom! Boom.
1: (laughs) And another note from our old buddy Isaac in Michigan. Professor A and m Good job on your Doctor Who episodes. I really enjoyed them. I've only recently gotten into Doctor Who myself, and I'm definitely enjoying it. Your talk on the supernatural side of the DC universe has me intrigued. At this very moment, I am sitting here with the Spectre comics open <laughs> on my lap and Buffy the Vampire Slayer on my TV. I like my supernatural I was fiction. Say, man likes
0: his supernatural fiction.
1: <laughs> Enough rambling for now, as always. God bless, Isaac.
0: Very good. We support that particular... Combination of fandoms. Yes, we do. <laughs> and from Sir, Sir Martin of Grey. I never got into Harry Potter. Too convoluted. Lord of the Rings. Got halfway through the second film and left. All it was was intercutting between CGI crowds gathering outside some castle and that Gollum thing on. whittering on. Star-, <laughs> Star Wars. Enjoyable, but not compelling. I've seen... Plenty of Doctor Who, but it constantly disappoints. The TV version, anyway.
1: Wow, okay, so we're just, we're just all airing all of our dirty laundry, aren't we?
0: I've also never played video games. Tried Benetton Tennis, it wasn't very good. And while I plan to watch Into the Spider-Verse, I'm waiting for the right pile of ironing. <laughs> okay. So, this episode of yours wasn't really my jam. But I do love hearing you too shatter away.
1: Don't like it. (laughs) Five out of five.
0: So, this was in fact our clever strategy Mm -hmm. to talk about all of the things that Sir Martin dislikes
1: in a single episode. episode. Get it all out of the way so he can do his ironing.
0: (laughs) So he can love everything else we ever talk about. Exactly. He does ask, will M be reviewing that Marvel comic that came out last week from those McElroy podcasters she likes so much?
1: War of the Realms? It is already on request because a certain somebody went and checked our comic store right after this came out. I'm talking about my dad.
0: And not only was it sold out at the store. It was, it sold, was sold, out sold out at Diamond. At Diamond. So we did put in for the second printing and we put it on the pull list.
1: Because Mackle fans are rabid.
0: Mackle insane. He also pointed out that it's 20,000 comics that DC is adding. Which is a bummer for us non US types.
1: Oh, is it is it locked? It is must it be. U- US it must locked? Be. Oh, like region one locked. Come on, guys, it's on the internet.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, exactly. that's I am so
1: sorry, guys. <laughs> From Robert Ludwig, most sane among us.
0: Is it worth revisiting why he is the most sane man among us?
1: I it's... mean they can just go back and listen to the the archives. It's it has,
0: fine. Has to do with comic book organizing or
1: non-organizing howdy middleton's wow it's been a while since i last wrote in i meant to before now but life always seems to get in the way so here are some thoughts
0: see i'm thinking i gotta blame this one on shag too somehow when
1: in doubt i I mean
0: clearly he's been a negative influence on nathaniel
1: and now on robert thinking
0: robert as well i don't i don't Mm -hmm. I, i don't like it
1: gotta gotta shape up first short box showcase 60 There are so many things here that were fun. First was the dramatic reading with all the lovely animal voices. (laughs) I will say I was expecting Professor Allen to be Detective Chimp, and then was surprised he wasn't. Then, of course, is the title that you granted me, that I didn't have to wait until the end of the year for Most Sane Man. There you go. (laughs) I want to thank you. I had to keep listening to your commentary on my quote-unquote filing system.
0: Quote-unquote system.
1: This still remains, although I do need at least a catalog of which books I own, just maybe won't be putting them in order. That'll be a project for some time in the next decade. Okay,
0: so he still qualifies. Okay,
1: good, good. (laughs) Two, M, this encompasses many of the shows that you have been on. I want to congratulate, maybe not sure if that's the right term, you so much on adulting. New house, new job, cats, etc. Isn't it fun? Yeah, I'm still waiting on Lowe's to call me back. You know, I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. (laughs) (sighs) Thank you, Robert. And finally, overall shows, I enjoy them. Sometimes I have heard of the comics. Oftentimes I have not. However, all of your shows are fun to listen to. Sometimes they even make me spend money. Sometimes more than a quarter. What? My apologies to the professor.
0: (sighs) May not be so sane after all. And then we heard from Robert again, specifically on last episode. Howdy, Professor, and M. First of all, when I hear you two together or write a greetings to you, I think that I've stumbled onto a strange crossover of Gilligan's Island, Professor, and james Bond m
1: I mean yes.
0: <laughs> I'm just wondering if I'm the only one who gets that vibe.
1: I mean. I'm not ashamed of being, like, Judy Dench. I will, I will call that a grand compliment.
0: <laughs> I'm really writing about Shortbox Showcase 63. That was our last episode. I think it's funny that it was titled Spidey Talk, but very little of the show was about Spidey. The greater part of the show was emails and responses. Those were great as always. I'm thinking the name of the show should have been Listener Feedback with a Little Bit of Spidey Talk. See, here's the thing. <laughs> Book. I think maybe he cracked our code on this one.
1: Listen, if we called it L- Listener Mailbag and R.I.P. Spider-Man Unlimited.
0: Who's going to download who's that? Who's
1: going to download
3: that? If honestly. we call
0: it Spidey Talk, we can maybe trick some new listeners. <laughs> <too>. <laughs> anyway, Robert continues. I've only gone to a couple of the larger cons myself, both being Wizard Worlds in Des Moines. In 2015 and 2016. I had fun, got some stuff signed, got pictures with Lou Ferrigno one year and Kevin Sorbo the other year. One picture in the Batmobile 66 version. Excellent. And went to a lot of panels. This year, I went to Alex Kingston, Billy D. Williams, and Captain Kirk himself, William Shatner, who was hilarious. If you ever have a chance to catch him doing his tours, I would highly recommend it. Even got to talk to Billy D. Williams. Well, my son and I did, because on Sunday, Billy's line was short, so we were told to just come in and say hi. It was a quick five minute talk, and it was mostly about baseball my son playing with me coaching, and him watching his grandkids. The second year, I might have had a little more fun with some of the creators. Peter David was there, and I was able to confuse him on Sunday. <laughs> had a nice chat with Michael Golden. And had an interesting encounter with him on Sunday, and even got to talk to Colleen Duran, who was sitting next to Peter David. There are some mysteries here. I know. I'm just wondering. I'm hmm.
1: Well, uh, what happens at the con stays at the con. Apparently.
0: <laughs> I picked up a few prints I really liked, and bought very few comics because I'm a bit of a cheapskate too, and spent more than enough on the tickets. That that is the That's problem. That's the key. <laughs> There were other things I did, saw, and enjoyed, but those are some highlights. I would recommend going, but I will caution anybody thinking about it to check out the schedule if possible to determine if a one-day ticket or three-day ticket would be best. Year two for me was not as large as year one, so I could have easily done everything on just one day, but I went all three because I bought the three-day pass. I mean, I'm glad I did, but I could have saved some money. Now, on to Spidey. Okay, for the games you're talking about, I know nothing. I don't have the iOS game, nor do I have a PlayStation 4. I have seen Spider-Man Homecoming and really enjoyed it, although I saw it after Infinity War, so I had a little different take on the movie knowing what was to come. Right. And I've yet to watch Into the Spider-Verse, although we do own it. My son so really liked it. That, I haven't heard anyone who said anything other than that.
1: I think the worst review I've ever heard was, I know, I just didn't really care for the music.
0: Like, that's it? Okay, okay. Okay. Which,
1: first of all, the music is excellent, but, like, (laughs) the music wasn't to my taste. I'm like, okay, that's the worst you have to say about it. Cool.
0: Robert promises he will watch it sometime. But it's kind of like the never-ending reading pile, the never-ending watching pile. Yes, that is true. But I have to take you both to task on one thing. Peter Parker did not give up his marriage to Mephisto, while it appeared he might, it was Mary Jane who did the agreement, not Peter Parker. We have a little Adam and Eve controversy here. as to yeah, who actually talked who actually into what, who, who said into said when, And you okay. know what?
1: We're just going to say, it didn't happen. <laughs> I will apologize to no one, because no one did anything wrong, because it didn't happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just so it's known, I am a big Spider-Man fan. I even really started collecting during the 90s clone saga... So to some extent, my Spider-Man is Ben Riley, not that fake one Peter Parker anyway. Ha! Thank you for more enjoyable listening. Until next time, have a nice day. Robert, hashtag most sane man, Ludwig.
1: Nice. (laughs) All right, and we'll take a quick break here. And when we come back, well, when you come come back.
0: back. I'm going to talk about my experiences at our local small press comic con.
4: Hello, Paul. Hello. I am Dr. Herfenschdaffner. Come in. To, come in, please. Take a seat. Take a seat. What can I do for you today?
5: Oh, I just, i just. I'm, I can't sleep. I, I I can't focus on anything.
6: The only thing I can think about is like DC events.
5: A DC event,
4: as in the comic books, DC events.
6: Yes, yes, the comic book events.
4: Oh, interesting. Uh, are we we talking things like Crisis on Infinite Earths? Yeah, yeah, totally that one. Yeah. Uh, Infinite Crisis. Yeah, yeah, that one too. Oh, very, very invasion maybe. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the uh, the Genesis.
1: Uh, not so much. No. Oh,
4: well, I think it's really good if you talk about the things that are troubling you in your life, so maybe you should do a podcast about this obsession.
6: Wh- what, what do you call this obsession? What do you think it is?
4: I think you're a unique case. I've not seen anything like this before in my office. I'm going to suggest that you have what we call DCOCD. What? DC OCD you are obsessive and compulsive about your DC events I think you should talk it out get it out of your system via a podcast I will help you my friend we shall do a podcast together about your DC OCD
6: oh okay I won't even charge you for it (laughs) awesome I don't think I can claim you on (laughs) benefits yeah it's good when should we start?
4: Um, I'll get back to you on that. I'll check my, I'll check my timetable. <laughs> cool.
0: And we're back. Well, actually, it's just me who's back. I recently went to the Small Press and Alternative Comics Expo, otherwise known as Space or SpaceCon. As the name implies, there are a number of artists and producers of mini-comics of all shapes and sizes, and a couple of folks with more traditional-looking comic works, a lot of artists, and even a novelist or two. But all of these are the types of folks you've almost certainly never heard of. They're either at the start of their career, or this is something they do as a hobby or on the side, trying to get that sort of career going. And I talked to a handful of them. First up is one of the few folks selling a traditional-looking and traditional-sized comic book.
3: Uh, my name is Craig Lindley. I'm the creator of uh, Nightingale, my superhero in comic book. And I've recently branched out into some humor stuff with the Muffin Men. And Fred the Tapeworm. Fred made his debut in your space program. Ah,
0: there you go. Fred is
3: a, a nutritionist, and he has his own cable access show. And then the uh, Muffin Men is a, a sword fantasy-type book, and it's all done with uh, food characters. Uh, uh. Our, our uh, main villain is, is Chaco Thunder. The uh, salty guy is the, the evil wizard. Got a little bit of a Doctor Doom look. I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm a fan of that Latverian, so I've noticed maybe a little reference there. Actually, his son and his friends take over the mantle of his father. His father uh, defeats the villain, gets the evil sword, and the sword is eventually broken up into three parts. And the uh, the sword is uh, on its own not powerful, but when the the characters put the sword together, the sword each sword has power to it. Tell me about Nightingale. She is a reporter during the day, and at night, due to an accident when she was camping, she gets her powers from the moon, so she has uh, super strength at night. She's kind of like, you know, a little bit of Lois Lane, a little bit of Batman. That's a good combination. Mm-hmm.
7: That's a interesting combination. I but like it, in
3: the third one, she's uh, kind of being Snoopy like Lois Lane, and because it's during the day, uh-huh. she ends up getting caught by the villain in his trap. And she has to use her brains to get up because she doesn't have her superpowers until the evening.
0: Are you doing the writing or the art or both In these? I am doing everything.
3: Terrific. I'm doing the art, the lettering. The selling. The selling. <laughs> my my the wife. business investment, such as it is. Well, my wife, the uh, uh, Fred, was her suggestion. She always talks about her tapeworm at work. She's like, oh, "I'm really hungry today. I had breakfast, and I'm starving." In and and she calls her tapeworm Fred. And so I just ran with it. And Everything a is content. Yeah.
0: Everything is potential content.
3: Mm-hmm. And then my son and his friend uh, suggested the muffin bag Perfect.
0: Where can we find your books online, or find you online somewhere?
3: I have um, a Facebook page for uh, nightingale and then i just set a new one up for caesar comics and caesar oh, comics terrific. will have uh, fred and the muffin men on it terrific. as well as nightingale perfect thank you you're welcome thank you
0: now this was one of the comics i bought at the con although it's closer to magazine size than comic size i guess like i'm not sure how i'm gonna file it or store it it's that much of a different size. Most comics are around six by nine and a half inches, but being a DIY comic, run off at a standard copy center, this one is like normal paper, eight and a half by eleven. Uh, it's run off, I guess, using the easily available eleven by seventeen paper, then folded over and stapled down the middle. In terms of the story, it's a good professional-level story with, you know, it's a semi-professional art. And semi-professional editing. A few typos, or are places I would have put commas, things like that. But it's a good story, good characters, and a good read. You have a husband-wife team of toy geeks. They write for toy collecting magazines. Uh, this book, Nightingale, was originally conceived of more than a decade ago. And I'm guessing now they'd be, say, YouTubers or bloggers. If I wasn't clear, by the way, these are the bad guys. They use toy-related gimmicks to steal the original version of the analog of Barbie, like the original Barbie doll, only to face the justice of Nightingale, our heroine. Now, Lindsley intends this to be a bit of a throwback to classic comics, I think, and one way that he does that is he includes some classic ads inside the book Uh, a pair of them, and then one on the back cover. And I don't mean homages, you know, modern versions of 70s-style ads. I mean actual ads. The back of the book is a 1971 ad for sea monkeys. And inside is a classic hodgepodge page and a monster-size monster poster ad. And these inclusions, Lindsley said, actually caused some problems for him at copy centers. It's a situation that I've heard podcasting's Michael Bailey talk about. He has a lot of experiences managing copy centers and has talked about his inability legally to copy anything that is under copyright. That is what that word means. I know Mike has had to turn away making copies of, I don't remember what they were, business flyers or birthday invitations, many, many other types of documents that included copyrighted images. And in this case, obviously, Lindsley's comic itself, Nightingale, is copyrighted to him. That's not a problem. But it's these old ads. He commented that some Kinkos refused to copy the comic for him because of those ads. It's one of those situations where he did something because he thought it would be fun, and would add to his comic, which it does, but it caused him a headache or two along the way. And then next up, I talked to a creator of a long-running
6: series of mini comics. Time Traveler started actually way back in 1986 as Herman Hanks. Time Traveler. It was a six-issue mini comic series which was very ambitious for the time in 1986 and did crossovers with other mini comics of the time. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's
0: the first time I've heard of that. Yeah yeah that it was, was amazing.
6: From there I've, I've continued it. I, I did a uh, in the 80s and 90s a what was called Smiley's comic which turned into this graphic novel right. which is a night which was a nine issue series of basically continuation of the, the themes and things like that time traveler series picks up from where oh, yes. the graphic novel ends and just goes crazy with it <laughs> lost comic book characters from other people that have dropped off the earth and um all the the, the characters know who i am and that i am an artist that draws right. and they want to join our reality <laughs> oh, Morrison. A, little a little bit a little, okay. little, little I bit, it. Little I bit. Like it. and um they're battling an, an evil yes. artificial intelligence when did it, when, <laughs> when did he start to add color? A year and a half ago, I, I picked up a Epson 4500 Eco print so you have printer. The technology. Yeah, really? it, I, I, it has instead of cartridges, it has the ink that you can pour into it, ah, okay. and and one one bottle costs ten bucks, and you can and they last about eight months. So, so I, it's, it's, I started printing in full color, and so it's, it's, it's not as daunting a task. Right. As, as it used to be. Well, I did, instead of cartridges that cost 40 bucks each, right. you got 10 bucks worth of ink that lasts That's so long, awesome. and it's great and it's cost effective. <laughs> so I, I started doing them in color. So it's, That's great. I've been having a lot of fun with it. That is great. And so they've met Satan, they've met God, <laughs> and it's going to keep going from there. <laughs> and uh, what is it about the mini comic format that works for you? That's what I started doing in high school, really. And it, I, I'm one of the few people that's ever really been able to maintain a continued schedule. Like, right. I put one out almost every single well, that's month. A, you've got 20, <laughs> I think, 23 of them here. Yeah. Is that an ongoing story? It's the Yes, amazing. yeah. That's all, it, all one continued story right there. And it, so I, I, I maintain a very complex continuity I mean, throughout all of it.
0: <laughs> I mean, to me, that's one of the great things about the call it self-published or indie or whatever. It's you. Right. It is
6: one person's vision. You're in charge of it. Right. I think that's, that, that's, exciting. that's exciting. It's fun. I have a lot of fun with it. Uh, <laughs> where can we find you online? This comic's at dimestoreproductions.com and you can find it there.
0: Time Traveler.
6: Time Traveler. Awesome. If you look up Time Traveler, T-I-M-E-T-R-V-L-R, you'll find it. Yeah. And as we like to say, it's spelled that way,
0: because comics. <laughs> yes. Because comics. <laughs> The definition of what constitutes a mini-comic varies a fair amount. It seems to be basically physically smaller in terms of its geometric dimensions than a standard comic, and usually has fewer pages. Now these ones, the Time Traveler books, they grew as the series went on, and they eventually added color, as I said. So it's kind of a cool opportunity to see the growth of a series. I bought the first five issues of that. I think it was like 19 or 22 issues total, something like that. Anyway, the first two were just one sheet of paper cut and stapled into an eight-page comic. Then issues three and four were 12 pages. Then we had a 16-pager. And as you went through the series, as we said, in addition to adding color, the books themselves got a little bit longer. And a couple of them actually had some short, text pieces in them, which I thought were interesting. To me, I thought of mini-comics as often being just one-offs, often slice of life, but that series Time Traveler throws all of those assumptions that I had right out the window. And then I spoke with another mini-comics creator, a woman who really takes the mini-part of that to heart.
8: My name is Suzanne Bowman, and i um... I've been doing mini comics for I don't think over twenty, <laughs> close to over twenty years. And some exactly
0: of the ones you died, have here are extremely mini. Um, is that yeah. would that be one? So this is what? what yeah,
8: what like a size a
0: sheet of paper does that start you do with? Do like
8: an eight and a half by eleven? You can get six comics on this. Wow! So yeah, that I, is I believe amazing. it's six comics. Yeah, yeah. so it's like um, that is amazing. So it's an eight-page comic, and you just make it. Um, I don't know. Divide by twelve, and you got
0: your comics. So. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You also have the ones that are a little bit bigger. That's
8: right. And that's um. Yeah, you fold it in quarters, and you get an eight-page comic.
0: I, what, what is it about that particular format?
8: That is just like the basic mini comics format. That's what I learned <laughs> on. It was right. like. I've been doing this since like the copy shop thing. So you take it down, you just do like an eight and, right. and a half by eleven sheet of paper. That's your standard right. printer paper, your standard right. notebook paper. Once you master that, you can draw that. You can draw in that size. You can
0: just make books. Do you do any of your art with the computer? Yeah, how, a little. How, I mean, how,
8: it's like I'm kind of any steady paying job you kind of need <laughs> yeah, to know how to yeah, use a computer so yeah so I I mean I like to just hold a pencil and just go right. but um, I right. mean I do a lot of coloring my computer and touching sure, up and um, right. yeah making corrections and, and resizing and formatting right. the books so.
0: that is awesome yeah uh, where can we find you online or on uh, um, Facebook or Twitter or anywhere Yeah,
8: I do have a website that's been going it's fridge-mag.com and uh, That's
0: what caught me here, fridge yeah. magnet <laughs> production Yeah, so it or was something.
8: yeah, it was originally fridgemag.net Then I started having to make magnets to justify the name. You have to live up to that um, that expectation. But I also have an ongoing mini... It's a graphic novel, but whenever I have a page, I'll put it up. And that's at suckerstreet.com. Great. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Suzanne had a lot of stuff at her table that looked cool. And I picked one up called As Eavesdropped, which are comic versions of literally overheard conversations some of which are single panels, and some of which are more, you know, multiple panels, sort of like a a Sunday morning newspaper comic strip might be. Now, at any type of con, M and I, we both always like to find the novelists, because obviously there's some overlap between fantasy comic books and fantasy novels or that sort of thing. But they are fundamentally different forms of storytelling. So I do always like to check in on them and see how they're doing at the Comic-Con.
7: Well, hello. My name is Marcus V. Calvert from Tales Unlimited, LLC. You can find me on uh, Amazon or Kindle. I sell three different, well, more like four different classes of book. One set is called Unheroic Series. Think, um... New school Twilight Zone, where the stories are themed about unlikely heroes, like a vampire owing child support a good guy. <laughs> or uh, schemes, like um, what if you're a little guy named Timmy who grows into a man who gets screwed over by his father-in-law, and his imaginary friend, forgotten since childhood, comes out and eats him, resulting in <laughs> poor Timmy ending up behind bars. But don't worry, never fear, that imaginary friend is going to do eat anyone involved in the case until they let him go. So one's about unlikely heroes, one's about schemes, then it gets to the novel sense. I call it I villain. What if there is a a supplier of mercenaries named Benjamin Clyde, a gentleman fixer? He's forced to give up his business because of a deal gone bad and fight crime sort of a cruel joke. They think without money, without minions, he can fight crime in a place worse than Gotham for about two days and then get killed, right? Six months later, he's taking a selfie as he levels a city block. A year later, he's disarming car bombs with his teeth. Why is he not dead yet? Well, the part about him being helpless was kind of a lie. So he gets into the um, world-saving business the way a villain would. And that's the last set, the fourth set, Backstream. The logic being, how do you write the great American novel? My opinion, don't, you don't know what you're doing yet. Rather than try to write the novel, write short stories first. Because, I mean, if you're going to cook for the queen, learn how to make their food. Snack by snack, entree by entree. Same logic. So what I threw down were 200 writing prompts. You take one, you write it, rinse, repeat over three days. Do 100 of them. Then go after the novel. Then steal from yourself. The idea of Benjamin Clyde, the character from my novel series, came from one of my short stories. I, I still steal from myself. You're basically building yourself... An idea toolkit that you can basically just use and use and use. It keeps on giving. The odds are pretty slim that you're going to sue yourself. Exact For plagiarism. <laughs> exactly. As long as I keep all of my rights, yes. Yeah, well, there is that. There yeah. is that, right? I never discount anything when it comes to law. That's why I'm not a lawyer. And publishing. Uh, that too. What was your n- name again? Marcus, M-A-R-C-U-S, Calvert, C-A-L, V as Victor, E-R-T. Now, you can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Amazon, you can find me on Kindle.
0: Now, let me ask you this, we're here at more of a comic book type of convention, <laughs> supposedly. Oh, absolutely. How, how do novelists do at a at, at a con like this, in, in, in general? If your pitch is strong
7: and your books are long, it's quite possible. But keep in mind, remember, this is a comic book in prose. Right. There's one, for example, where a comic book geek finds a magic lamp on spring break drunk with panties on his head He, he what we call a dream come true dream scenario wearing his X-Men t-shirt right so bottle of vodka in hand about to puke up chili he finds the lamp he rubs it he makes his three wishes to a gin the gin is so disturbed he leaves this plane <laughs> he says I'm not coming back That's And a, the, if you scare off a gin yes you're pretty so the kid pukes his guts out passes out and he wakes up and the ocean next to him because he's on, he's on a Carolina coastline He's looking at the Atlantic, going, "It's all Budweiser, yes." And he's just about to drink it when he realizes he's in the middle of a hero villain fight. All the characters from his comic books are running around, and the heroes are losing. <laughs> and everyone's trying to get to him because of the third wish. Ah, that's so all. I'll stop there. And uh, it took me years to put this all together, and I'm not going to stop now. Terrific! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: That guy, as you can tell, Marcus V. Calvert, was one heck of a talker. And for a self-published author, or any independent creator who's selling anything at a con like this, that is a critical personality trait. Because you also need to be your self-promoter. One of his secrets that he pointed out to me was to bring lots of content he had about 10 different novels and short story collections for sale at his table. And one of the things I like about this particular con is that it's pretty cheap for artists to table at. Something like, I don't know exactly, 60 $75, something like that. So the break-even point is pretty achievable for these mini-comics creators and for the novelists. I mentioned this to Marcus, and he agreed. He only had to sell something like 10, 12 novels to be in the profit for the con, along with the possibility of networking and getting a couple of customers or fans who may head to Amazon and buy more of his work after the con. So it's a little bit of selling, a little bit of networking, a little bit of getting your name out. So again, love talking to the novelists, and Marcus V. Calvert, he was one of the most fun ones to talk to. And then I found a couple of more artists who've done web comics and mini comics, including one who we talked mostly about how to exactly spell her name.
6: Okay.
2: Hi, I'm Jess. I go by Jess and Arts. I do with a Z. With a Z. Arts With a Z.
0: I noticed that. There you go.
2: You gotta put that
0: Jess with asses. Arts with a Z. Yes. Okay. Let's Jess.
2: And Arts.
0: <laughs> and without an E.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm just, there are lots of different
0: ways to spell all these words.
2: So I'll just spell it out. It's J E S S A N N A R T Z. There you go.
0: And what all do we have here?
2: Yeah, I do kid friendly art, comics, and illustration. I'm working on a semi-daily comic where I imagine daily happenings that happen to me or I overhear. Uh, I release it on my Instagram. A lot of my books are just fantastical and fun and And
0: fantastic
2: and fantastic and colorful. (laughs) I love color so yeah.
0: Wonderful thank you. Thank you. Have a good con.
2: Uh, Hi, I'm Marianne Rose Papke. I have a number of uh, short, well, I say short, 24-page mini-comics here. I've been doing this since... That's pushing uh, the
0: definition of mini.
2: Well, is it...
0: Some of them are six, eight, four pages?
2: I think of them as mini-comics because I hand-assemble them. Right. And I get them printed at staples.
0: That that, that counts. DIY comics.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I've been doing this since, like, 2010. Um, So I've got quite a collection here. I think my comic's often described uh, weird and cute.
0: Such as Lord Knight Skeleton's Revenge?
2: Yes, that's my new one. It's the uh, last in the series of um, Tile standalone comics, which all feature the same character from a webcomic that I used to do. They are very silly. How about
0: Xylobone Tomes?
2: Xylobone Tomes is a webcomic that I was doing, um, I've been having some issues with my hands, so it's currently on hiatus, but uh, I have the first chapter here printed, but there are about five online that you can read.
0: And where can we find that?
2: There's links to um, that and the old tile webcomic on my website, silverkraken.com, and that Kraken, K-R-A-K-E-N.
0: Wonderful. Thank you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: One of Mary Ann's mini-comics that I picked up, is only about one inch by two inches. So again, that really fits any definition of mini-comics that anyone could think of. I haven't mentioned this before, but a lot of the artists at this con are graduates of Columbus College of Art and Design, CCAD, or CCAD. I actually think a prior interviewee may have mentioned CCAD or CCAD. That's what they were referring to. And I'm pretty sure that many comics are actually part of the CCAD curriculum. It certainly seems to be part of these students' training, for sure. That's where a lot of these artists and creators come from. And I found a creator who has a couple of really interesting comics projects that he's just finished up.
9: My name is uh, Terry Isel and I write comics and graphic novels in my spare time. My real job is uh, I teach at Columbus State Community College. Um, I'm a professor there that teaches English as a second language. I'm a business professor down at OU in Lancaster. Oh, okay. Okay. So, yeah, <laughs> so that's job. your real job. Yes, <laughs> See, exactly. I'm sitting here grading papers while it's, <laughs> it's a little bit slow at the so. comms. Yes, 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 it, it is. I could say that for me. End of the semester is, yes, with insight. <laughs> in terms of my books, uh, the first project that I worked on um, is a three volume graphic novel called With Only Five Plums, uh, that tells the life story of a Czech holocaust survivor who I uh, met and interviewed for about 14 hours total uh, when I was living in former Czechoslovakia teaching English in the 1990s. And that became the basis for my master's thesis at Ohio State. And then several years ago, I hooked up with an artist and we took the stories from the master's thesis and turned it into the three graphic novels. But how long, Yeah, um, pages? So they are a total of about 360 pages. Right. The first one's just over 100, second Beautiful. one's about 130, other one's about 140. And you're the writer? I'm the writer, yep, and Jonathan Riddle uh, did the artwork on them. Beautiful. Thank you. I started that project on a sabbatical uh, from Columbus State. And then the most recent um, project is uh, that one's nonfiction. The most recent project is fiction, and it's about a fourteen-year-old Somali refugee girl uh, living in Columbus. She grew up first ten years of her life in a refugee camp in Kenya, and then lived two years in London, England, and then nows two years in Columbus. And a lot it- of
0: people don't know columbus
9: first or second Second, largest somali population yeah second largest somali population behind minneapolis st paul we have about forty-five thousand somalis and it's the thousands of somali students that i've had at columbus state are really the inspiration um, for the book it will eventually be three books uh, spread out over her ninth grade year in high school Uh, the first one is called her name is fartoon And the book is called Far Toon. And the first one is Autumn. Right now we're working on Winter and then we'll work on Spring.
0: Just flipping through the the first ones with only five plums looked a little more almost like a illustrated novel. Exactly. So not in traditional comic panels and bubbles, but Far Toon looked to be more in that format. What was the thinking or the choice behind that? So
9: I wanted the first set of books, the Holocaust books, not to look specifically like comics, right. to kind of play with some of the conventions of comic books, but not make it look exactly like right. a comic. And um, we actually have different styles in those books for memories that the the, the woman who I interviewed, Anna Neshkarova, um memories of things that she lived through are uh, unpaneled, um, our interviews are actually paneled, so they look more like comic right. books, so the kind okay, of contemporary okay, time right. is using panels, and then when she recounts things that she was told happened, but she didn't experience herself, that's also unpaneled, but it's, un, it's not inked, so it's just the pencils. Okay. So for each of those different pieces of the story, we wanted to well, visually visual way, represent right. that in a different way. Right. And the look of the books really uh, divides people. Some people look at them and it really speaks to them. And some people, publishers who I've tried to pitch it to, yeah. look at it and say, I actually had a publisher say, well, it doesn't look like
0: a book book and it doesn't look like a comic book. I mean, we're, we're fans of the concept of the illustrated novel right. as its own thing. And obviously these are nonfiction. And, and I actually think that we're Makes sense a little bit for for a nonfiction work, especially when it contains, as you said, a couple different genres of work. All, you right. Know, that the format would work whether for kids or or, or kids Right. But right. But, right. but Didn- it's not in either box. Exactly.
3: exactly.
9: Yeah. And when we when I first started working with the artist on it, he was uh, kind of right out of CCAD their illustration program and was you know was a comic book person and when he started doing it he said well he said he really had trouble because he said you're taking away my panels and those that's the language of comics that's the grammar of comics and so at the, at the beginning it was kind of a struggle but after the first you know four or five months it would, he said it was harder for him to go back and, and draw comics. <laughs> Unlearned? Because, yeah, because he corner. had he had learned how to compose a page with the images that are kind of floating. He referred to them as vignettes, vignette right. pages, as opposed okay, to right. panel pages. Right. Um, what was the thinking with Fartoon? Uh, I wanted to do a comic. Think, <laughs> it looked like a comic book. Um I wanted panels because I'd done 360 right. pages of no, things that right. did not look like a comic book, and had some you know, like critical feedback where right. eh, we don't okay. like it because it doesn't look like a comic. Right. So we went back to panels and balloons and those kinds of things, and it's awesome. it's, it's been fun to kind of think in that right. way too. Where can we find you online? Where can folks? Uh-huh. So these um, up? I have a website that's just my name, TerryIsel and that's T E. R-R-Y-E-I-S-E-L dot com. All of the books are available on Amazon. So if you just go to Amazon and type in my name, they will come up. And if you're local here in Central Ohio, all the books are in the library system. All the libraries have all the books if you want to get them for free. Terrific. Great. Thank you. Thank you.
0: um... Now these comics, the ones written by Terry Isel, they were beautiful. I think that came out in the interview that you heard my excitement about them, perhaps. But I wanted to reiterate that these were really, really very impressive books. I do have to admit a bias towards things that I could more readily identify as comic books. Like I said, these are small press and alternative comics. So a lot of them don't really seem like what I think of as traditional or normal comics comic books, some of this was a little outside the comfort zone. Some of the mini-comics themselves are fun, some are funny, some are touching or emotional. And I can see the effort put into them, I can see the, the value that they would have for a young creator to have something to sell, to have a way to, again, practice that craft. But again, for me, comic books and graphic novels and things that resemble those are more what are going to appeal to my taste. So again, that's again my traditionalist's eye and, and preferences, although these represent a pretty small slice of what is available at a con like this. It is much more common to see the mini-comics or the arts or the stickers and all, all of those other ways of doing comics. But that actually brought me to another creator with something for sale that looked pretty much like a traditional comic book.
5: Hello, I'm uh, Neil Mockerman, the writer of Cog and Flame, the arts by Ethan Brewerton and uh, Walter Ostley. Cog and Flame is a technology cult that's trying to end magic in the I fantasy see.
0: realm ah, that they're in. Okay, okay.
5: I it
0: sounds like a little bit different take on the science versus magic it, or technology it, versus fantasy. Exactly. You know, they don't like the, the social constructs that the magic...
5: Could, ah, okay. uh, the haves, the haves ah. not. They want machines that can do the same type of things, but everybody can use. And right. obviously, the magic's the, the old school sure. hierarchy trying to hold that down. I mean, it does a lot of good things in the world, too. Interesting. But in the center of it is uh, a gnome, Cornelius Tinderbrook, who's uh, a necromancer, tinkerer. He's kind of, so he's both sides of the fence there. Um, but he's dealt with the Cog and Flame in his youth, you know, kind of put a stop to that. And uh, they've resurfaced years, years later. And mm-hmm. He's a, an old gnome now, and he's retaking up that quest to, to stop them. But they seem to be more widespread now in the world now. So a little bit stronger than he had dealt right. with in his past. So we just put out Issue 2 came this week, actually. So it's I got the fun. print some of it this week. Where'd you so. get the idea? We... It's got a little steampunk maybe, yeah. it's got a little fantasy, so, a little tech, sort of where Cornelius was a D and D character of mine. <laughs> Never got I've got a feeling you're not the only person oh, in yeah, this room who yeah. has that story. Yeah, and he didn't he didn't get the light of day as much as I would've liked to him. He put by the wayside and I had all kinds of stories built up and just right. kind of kept writing about him after about he was off time. there. Was like, okay, this would make, you know, when I wanted to start to get in comics, is like, I've got this character and I've already got right. his world built around him. So, just kind of jumped in from there and, and I have piles of D&D characters that I'll never <laughs> use. So, I'm just like, okay, I got, this I, one, you yeah, can that, that it folder, it yeah, you. fold like, okay, this one will work. This one fits what I need here. So, yeah, I've been inspired but, by other peoples as well that I right, played sure. with so.
0: but this idea of fantasy or magic having a hierarchy yeah. but technology being egalitarian yeah. yes. that's interesting yeah. sort of, that, was, that, that's, was that there all along that's a yeah. really interesting book and that's you know
5: you see that the haves and haves not with right, magic sure, and that, but yeah sure. the, the addition of the Technology, right, the, the level aspect. And um, in his little backstory, and this isn't giving away too much, <laughs> like he was originally kicked out of like the, the magic spire or whatever right. for those similar views that right. we should be making magic items for, for the everybody for, to use, right. essentially magic light bulbs, that, right. and they disagreed with that. Right. So he's already got that chip on his shoulder about that. We'll right. see where it goes, whether, Absolutely. you know, where he tilts Absolutely. on it. But right now he's. He's trying to stop that. So, Where can we find Cog and Flame um, online, or how can we find you? The first one is online. The second one will be shortly, right. as soon as I get that. But uh, it's on Facebook at Neil Mockerman <laughs> Comics. I do Twitter as well. And, uh, but the Facebook's the best place. I right. post most of the stuff on that. Terrific. So.
0: Thank you. No problem. That's a great idea. That's a really good idea. That's another of the books that I bought, Cog and Flame number one. Of all the traditional-sized, standard-looking comic book issues that I saw at the con, and there weren't a ton, this was the most professional-looking. Now, the guy I talked to before, Terry Eisel, he had full 100-plus page graphic novels, and they were also stunningly professional. But for Neil Bokerman here, I'm talking about the individual comic issues. And Cog and Flame, number one, is pretty good. And not just for a guy doing comics on the side or as a self-pub comic or even a, an indie comic. It's just a pretty good comic. Among the places that you often cut corners in small press books are in the coloring or the lettering or even the quality of the paper. But this one meets the standards in all of those areas. And then the art and the story are very solid as well. As you heard the author explain it, you have a society with both science and magic and the practitioners of those two arts or maybe the believers of those two philosophies are at odds with each other. It's a cool premise and there are a lot of ways to go with that. Lots of potential stories and commentary. And what we got here in issue one was pretty solid. Now, I hope you're sitting down for this. But I did pay five bucks for it. Not the most expensive book that was at the con, but by far the most expensive one that I bought. Now, to justify that just a little bit, the con itself was free, and so was parking. So, give me a break, okay? And then lastly, I talked to the organizer of a different... Event here in Columbus, Ohio, Cartoon Crossroads Columbus, otherwise known as CXC. This is an event that's been around for five years now, with some academic panels and a show floor, special guests, interviews, and just a lot of cartooning and comic and artistic events all around the town. Now, for context, when he talks about having events on the campus. That means Ohio State University. And when he mentions Jeff as an important person involved in this, he's talking about Jeff Smith from Bone, who is a Columbus native.
10: Um, yeah, hi. My name is Tom Spurgeon. I'm executive director of Cartoon Crossroads Columbus, which you were nice enough to mention is now in our fifth year. Um, we are a citywide festival and kind of a combination of the old 1990s small press shows of which this here space is one but also kind of the European model where you kind of wander around different points in the city. I know when I talk to people that are so used to certain convention models I usually try to explain it like a more like a film festival, but just with comics rather than movies. That's if, I think
0: you know, I've looked at it like, and okay, said, well, it's here. It's at the library, but it's also here. Yeah. And it's also here. And I haven't so, been able to get my mind around it, but the film festival model. Well, that it's, makes a, sense. it's kind of split
10: into two. We do two day, our first two days up on campus, peer to peer presentations. We have uh, SolCon, which is the. Diversity and Inclusion Con run by Frederick Aldama with his laser office up there. So that brings in a whole different crowd and a different kind of Hollywood-oriented creators in their group of about 30 or 40. And then we all run downtown to the downtown library and have an old-fashioned small press show in the library much the same way that the Toronto show is in the library. and, And it's a beautiful... Beautiful building with nice open air areas to, to sell the comics, and at the same time, um, I have a n- bunch of small rooms for small room panels. So this year going to be a fun year. We're gonna, we are, it is our fifth year, and we have a lot of artists this year. Keynote speaker is going to be Mike Mignola from the Hellboy series, and he and Jeff are going to. Co- have conversations about being monster makers that's and fantasy and artists. Just Smith, just a th-
0: local Columbus and, Yeah, he is,
10: and, and a former board president yes. and, our, and our current artistic director. So that should be a great event. And then Friday later evening, we have um, the kids cartoonist Dave Pilkey of Captain Underpants oh, wow. and Dogman fame, and, and we'll bring in a, a large kids audience and have their big extravaganza. And we also have a, a big group of editorial cartoonists this year. We're... The, the yearly meeting of the Association of American Editorial Cartoonists they're they're going to coincide this year yeah, they're going to they're going to do some um, classes over at, on campus and also at the Thurber House Jaime Hernandez is a friend of ours who came our first year is coming back just cuz I think he's one of the great artists in, in the world and he he has two books out this year and I always like to appreciate him I think they're I think they're amazing uh, generational talents Jaime Hernandez is the only person who might be the best cartoonist in the world, but maybe not the best cartoonist in his family, so that's, that's a rare thing, yeah. the Williams sisters, the Manning brothers, and and uh, Jaime and and Gilbert, uh, so uh, we should have a really good time, and it'll be at the end of September, everything's free, we're $100 less than your average wizard show,
3: um, and we'll have a good time. It's,
10: It'll be the 26th through the 29th of September. September. And uh, we will like and announce our full special I guest list in um, mid-June. Uh, we were going to yeah, do it a, a little earlier, but uh, some of the guys wanted to make videos for the but presentation, like uh, which is great. Time. So is it's fun. Time. Cartoon. Or CXC. Or sexy. If you say it real fast. Yeah. Yeah. I remember When, well, I, 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 when I think you, cartoonists yeah, they, Well
3: uh, You can
10: find us online There's um, uh, and, and check us out And we'll be announcing All summer And, and uh, It's a bunch of nice people Having a good time And celebration of comics As a Legitimate and powerful Art form And, and pop culture Experience um, Not so much the Collectibles, but the art form itself. So I hope I hope to see you down. I hope uh, hope to see you guys out. Thank you so much.
7: Thank you. Have a good
0: day. Appreciate it. And there you have it.
1: That was fun. I really wish that I could have gone, but you know, work.
0: <laughs> it was the week before Free Comic Book Day, so yeah, it. takes up uh, takes up a lot of time, and we've got uh, things happening. Yep. Over here that we will, at some point, talk about. That was a pretty cool event, especially to get some of my street cred back.
1: It's free. I mean, that is hard to beat. Parking, free. You
0: know, it's not necessarily an every year thing, but if it's still going again in two or three years, I'd think about going back again and trying to arrange it so you could go back again.
1: That I would love. For the love, first time. I would love that. <laughs>
0: Now, I did spend upwards of 50 cents on a hedgehog-related mini-comic for you, so happy birthday! Oh,
1: God. Guys, it's so good. It's so, what was it? so good. My, my dumb, dumb spiteful hedgehog. And it has some hedgehog facts on the back of it, including hedgehogs have no fear of heights, hedgehogs don't like being told no, and hedgehogs cannot fly.
0: Oh, my. <laughs> Important facts. Important facts and also just to verify that i did in fact pick something up that actually resembles an actual comic book here you go flip through cog and flame oh does not it looks like a real comic that is a real comic oh nice paper good coloring
1: oh i really i really like that coloring
0: good lettering that's sometimes where the where the where the corners get cut so
1: that is a solid comic book
0: As listeners will have heard, some of the producers are college professors doing this on a whim. And so it's not like starting small with mini-comics and trying to build up. It's like, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to spend a little bit of money doing this. So that was kind of fun. But that passes inspection as a real comic. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, thank y'all for listening
1: you were in Virginia for too long. It was like less than 72 hours and you've literally called everyone
4: y'all.
0: Yes, but I got called love, darling, and honey. And that was just at one restaurant. So that's a good thing. Mm
4: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: Well, if you have uh, something to share with us, comment about this episode. And we really mean this. Any of our prior episodes, we'd love to hear from you.
1: You can send those emails to relativelygeeky at gmail.com, or you can leave a comment on the post for this episode at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com.
0: Because when it comes to anything we've talked about in this episode, like independent comics or young artistic types, or mini comics, this definitely applies. We are not experts.
1: We're just family.